When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. I think Kyle Shanahan's right. I don't think you're ever going to write off the Chiefs. That is for sure. We are Unsportsmanlike, normally from the seaport, brought to us by Grey Goose with Evan Canty and Michelle. But today, Vegas East. (laughs) Vegas East. Bristol. I love it. I love it here. I know that everybody's like, oh, we're in New York City. It's so fancy. It's so great. It is. We also have this studio, which is awesome. We get to hang with Nuno and Pat and Giovante. I love it. I love being here. So, hi. Everybody good? You guys are looking we're at me good. like, we're good. are you we're good? They're like, are you we're sure you're okay? We're just watching you wax poetic about Bristol. I love being here. I think it's awesome. I can tell you called it Vegas East. Yeah. I could have sworn I did a promo yesterday, like a commercial for the show, that had that scripted in it. Didn't I? Yeah, that's what we've been calling it. Oh, okay. So I, I wasn't like losing it there more okay. than normal. All right. Okay. All right. Anyway, so when you look at these two teams this weekend, I was start thinking about what do they have in common, right? You can't say they have the quarterbacks in common because even me as a Purdy guy, <laughs> I'm not putting him with Mahomes. Defensively, maybe a little bit in common. I think that Kansas City's defense was great all year. San Francisco has a lot of big names. They're awesome on defense as well. Coaching-wise, Andy Reid is so far ahead of, of Kyle Shanahan at this point in his career. I think the one thing they may have in common would be elite-level tight ends, okay? And you look at Travis Kelsey and you look at George Kittle, and if we were to say, all right, who are the top two tight ends in the league, I think we'd say those two guys, wouldn't we? Is there another person that you would say could even find their way into that conversation as best tight ends in the NFL? No. Okay. Not right now. I mean, it's too early for Sam Laporta. Okay. Yeah. Mark Andrews, maybe? <sighs> Ironically, those are the four teams yeah, that were in yeah, the title games. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. is it ironic? Here's what I'm asking. Is tight end the second most important position on offense relative to team success? Elite quarterback. But if I then said, okay, okay you could pick one position to guarantee you team success where you're going to have an elite player. Is tight end that position? No, it's left tackle. Yeah, that's where I'd go to. But the Chiefs don't have a good left tackle. Yeah, I, I get that. They have a really good interior offensive line, but if you're asking me to pick the positions of importance, I would say the quarterback and then the guy that keeps the quarterback upright. I believe that teams are built inside out, front to back. So, I mean, when you start looking at what people are paid and the team and the positions that people prioritize when it comes to draft and free agency, those are the spots. Those are the considered the premium players. So, I would go offensive lineman. I would probably say left tackle would be my preference, but offensive lineman and then quarterback. Okay, like, so then let's eliminate that. Let's eliminate the line, skill position-wise, that somebody would take on their fantasy team. Is tight end the second most valuable position behind quarterback? Ooh. So in other words, what Ooh. I'm saying to you and what I'm leading into, obviously, I'm not, I'm not hiding this, that I believe that if you look at the two Super Bowl teams, and these two teams have now played twice in four years with the same tight ends, both of them, and Rob Gronkowski was dominant for a long period of time, Mm -hmm. and we just talked about Sam Laporta, Detroit Lions, Mark Andrews, Baltimore Ravens, Isaiah Likely was there when he was hurt, obviously, that I, I am making the claim that in order to get to the Super Bowl, if you're paying skill position guys, obviously a quarterback, but then go tight end. 
it guarantees you success more than the other positions. Here's what I'll say to that. I think relative to what you're paying the player, there's tremendous value in having a tight end because it gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of what you can do with your offense. From a personnel standpoint, like you can have the tight end be a factor in the run game, but you could also split your tight end out and have him be a matchup nightmare when it comes to the DBs or the linebackers, whoever the defensive coordinator is going to deem the cover man for that position. So I think they're a unique chess piece. But it's, but it's also because of what they're paid in comparison to wide receivers. Like the top-end mm-hmm. wide receivers are going to make $30 million a year. The top-end tight end, what are they making, 15 20 But if we're drafting— so, so there's a difference in terms of how you can allocate the resources to the rest of the roster. And I think that's what we're seeing, right? You look at the San Francisco 49ers, they're paying Debo Samuel for money, some money, but Brandon Ayuk is on a rookie deal. I mean, you look at what they've got going on. Like, they got Christian McCaffrey for the love from the Carolina Panthers because Mm -hmm. the Panthers paid him the huge signing bonus with the contract extension. So, like, they've been able to have a lot of flexibility in terms of what they're doing with their roster because of the the pay scale um, with their playmakers and particularly with the tight end position in George Kittle and how valuable he is to both facets of the offense. If we're drafting out of the Super Bowl, though, Okay, And so once you pick a, a position, you don't need another one, right? So if we're going to draft a team only using Super Bowl players, the first pick any of us would take would be Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Right? So you have Mahomes on your team. You don't need to take Purdy. The other team has Purdy. Who are you taking second? Trent Williams. Yes. No, I'm sorry, the skill position guys. The oh, skill position skill guys. Skill position players. Sorry. Christian McCaffrey. Same. See, I wouldn't. I would take Kelsey. I think Christian McCaffrey, and this is not a knock on Travis Kelsey, but I think Christian McCaffrey is just more versatile. Like, you can use him in Christian so many McCaffrey different ways. Christian McCaffrey is, is the best skill position player in this game. He's unbelievable. He is. I he, think he's, he's unbelievable There's a reason also. why he's, in the, he's a finalist for the MVP. And he's yes. one of one. Like, like, <laughs> there's a reason why. But, but Travis Kelsey is one of one in a lot of ways. I know you want to compare him to George Kittle, but... There's a lot of teams that we've seen in the Super Bowl in recent years that haven't had a Travis Kelsey-like tight end that have gone the the wide receiver route, a Cooper Cup, a Jamar Chase. I mean, Travis Travis Kelsey is also singular in a lot of ways with the things that he can do. But I just think that the quarterbacks that win the most championships are the ones that have that safety valve at the tight end position. Like, if you look at some of the, the winningest quarterbacks, they always have that guy at that position. Because think about it this way. If I were to say to you, who are the best receivers in the sport right now? Tyreek Hill. Won a Super Bowl C- in Kansas City, won without him. Yeah, C.D. Lamb. Never won anything. Justin Jefferson. Never won anything. Jamar Chase. Never won it. Well, been to a Super Bowl, but hasn't won a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, Cooper Cup. Won a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's, that's not... A, that's, yeah. that's a small percentage, if you think about it, right? And then if I say the best tight ends, you're going to give me a list, and they've all been there, right? Or they've all won. Now, the best running backs is just one guy, right? Because we've seen that you're, there's no reason to pay the other guy. Christian McCaffrey is one of one. Derrick Henry maybe, but hasn't won anything. Mm-hmm. We saw this offseason, Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. There's no reason for those teams to pay them. I guess the point that I'm making is when you think of the similarities between these two teams, the dominance at the tight end position in a weird way is the similarity between them. Yeah, but the, the two tight ends do it completely differently. Mm-hmm. Explain. Well, I mean, George Kittle is more of the inline tight end. He's going to be the traditional why. He's going to block. He's going to set the edge in the run game or he's going to take over the edge in the run game for that outside zone scheme that Kyle Shanahan loves to use featuring Christian McCaffrey. Whereas with Travis Kelsey, they're going to split him out more, have him detached from the line of scrimmage, from the from the, the, the tackle box, and allow him to 
be in space, similar to what you would see from an X receiver. That's how they're going to use Travis Kelsey, that kind of versatility, being able to line him up. He's too big for safeties and corners. He's too fast and agile for linebackers, so he's a mismatch in that regard. So I think that's where I would say they do it differently. Now, George Kittle is a great receiver in his own right. He's got a lot of range for a tight end. That's why he's an all-pro. But I just think what George Kittle does in the run game is what puts him eye-to-eye with Travis Kelsey as the best tight end in the game because he's such a factor in terms of being able to move people. You'll see George Kittle moving defensive ends and outside linebackers. He's that kind of nasty when yeah. it comes to being a blocker. And he doesn't just want to block you. He wants to finish you. He wants to make sure the defender has a grass stain on the back of his jersey, which is never a good thing as a former defensive lineman. That, <laughs> so, means, that means you've been getting your ass kicked all game. That's what George Kittle wants to do. He wants to rub your nose in it. Mm. And that's the kind of nasty that the San Francisco 49ers, when they're at their best and when that offense is rolling, that's the kind of nasty that they have in the run game. And that's what is going to be critical early on in this game for them to be able to establish the run against that Kansas City Chiefs defensive front. We saw that the Baltimore Ravens abandoned the run early by virtue of the score. But we also saw a couple of weeks earlier in the divisional round, the Buffalo Bills made it a fourth quarter game and had a chance because they were able to run the ball for over 180 yards. So that's the key for me for San Francisco is being able to stay balanced on the offensive side of the ball. Now your defense has got to get some stops in order to keep the scoreboard in check Mm -hmm. so you can stay with the run game. But I think that those guys on the line of scrimmage, the offensive line, Debo Samuel, also George Kittle, those are guys that are understated as blockers in the run game. They're going to have to be physical with Kansas City in order for them to establish that run. So blindly, if I said to you guys next year going into the season, you have, let's say, an A-level quarterback, Mm. okay? And you could also have what you deem to be the best receiver in the league or the best tight end in the league. Which one are you choosing? Best receiver in the league? Or the best tight end. Am I paying them best receiver money? Sure. Ooh. And assume you're paying top of the market for tight end, whatever the top of the market would then be for a tight end. Yeah, that's the difference of about $10 million. Oof. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm paying a receiver $30 million. I'm paying a tight end 20 So, yeah, there's a big discrepancy there. I would probably lean toward tight end. Yeah, me too. Smalls? I think I'd still go wide receiver, even though the financials lean tight end. What, what kind of quarterback am I working with? I'm saying A-level quarterback. Let's not say oh, Mahomes. Oh, yeah, if it's so. an A-level quarterback, it's a no-brainer. It's tight end. Because I, I know my A-level quarterback can make it work with a group of wide receivers, like a group. Like, like I know Joe Burrow and I know Patrick Mahomes and I know Lamar Jackson and I know Josh Allen can make it work with, you know, B wide receivers. But if they have that dominant, dominant player as a pass catcher at the tight end spot that can dictate front and coverage and be that self-safety valve – then I'm good. Yeah, I just think it's such a difference maker. We're going to see it on Sunday, right? Like, it's not going to surprise anyone if, obviously, the quarterbacks will be the first and second most likely, but it wouldn't surprise anyone if Travis Kelsey or George Kittle won Super Bowl MVP. Like, that's how good these guys are. Kelsey more than Kittle, obviously, in terms of likelihood. I just think it's such a difference maker in this league. Ken in North Carolina watching on ESPN2. What's up, Ken? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. If you allow me, uh, two topics. One really... Brock Purdy, and then the other one, Patrick Mahomes. The uh, first thing is, I'm basically over Brock because of people like you, Evan, mm-hmm. and Jeff Saturday. Um, if he even wins this game, he is not great. I believe what Cam <laughs> Newton said. He is a system quarterback who has talent around him. 
Um, I think he's a... Wait, what you said and what Cam said are totally different things. Cam said that he plays in the system. He's more of a game manager. Cam never said he was bad. I don't want... I think people are taking Cam's stuff out of context. You just said he's not... Even if he wins the Super Bowl in his second year as a guy that his touchdown to interception ratio is basically three to one, he's not great. Like, is he good? Because I believe, like Chris says, you stop throwing the word great. But Chris is saying he's a top 10 quarterback. Chris just said he's a top 10 quarterback. Great and not like you're making him seem like he's freaking me out there. CeCe's saying he's top 10 in the league. He's just not top five, even if he wins. In that system, I think if they had Kirk Cousins, they could win the Super Bowl. Yeah, because Kirk Cousins is awesome. I think. I even think Baker Mayfield could bring that team because Baker Mayfield right, is better than Garoppolo. But you can never – here's Mayfield. the thing. You can't prove that. Like, I, I hear where you're going with – that's a hypothetical that we'll never see play itself out. But, I mean, I, I, I if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, how can it not change your opinion of him as a player? You know, it ha- it Tom Brady can win in this system. It has to. It has to. Like, right now I've got him, I've got him as the, the 10th best quarterback in the league – but if he wins the Super Bowl, all of a sudden, I think there's a case to be made that he leapfrogs Dak, that he leapfrogs Jalen Hurts, that he leapfrogs Justin Herbert, that he leapfrogs Trevor Lawrence. He but you to. hate him, Cece. <laughs> I don't hate no, him, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, if he wins the Super Bowl, <laughs> that has to change how we look at him. That's another data point. He beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. It's a pretty big data point. There's only been, what, one other quarterback to do that. That's Tom Brady. He's good. He's good at confirmed. Good at football. Brand right. like, Sportsman like, like presented by Progressive Insurance. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. 3 p.m. Eastern time today. NBA trade deadline. I, I haven't heard. I just heard about it now for the first time. Or I've been refreshing Woj's Twitter every four seconds. Yeah, oh, we, we should do a wellness check on you today because you've been waiting. Well, for we had these- trades yesterday. Boy, were they big ones. <laughs> Even by that, I mean nobody move. cares about the, any the of them. Pistons made, Pistons made a big move. Right? Pistons right? adding makes right, sense. Right, JV? A big move, <laughs> Jovante? Big move by the Pistons, right? Sending the second round of the Utah? Yeah, they made, it, they made a few. 
Monte Morris going to. Don't trade my guy, Monte Morris. Everybody's saying that. Why why is everybody saying that about Simone Fontecchio? That doesn't sound like a made-up player? Not when I saw him do what he did against the Heat last year. drove me nuts, that guy. Is he related to Michelle or something? Sounds Italian. Yeah, it does. Think all Italians are related, Pat? Aren't they? We're familial. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, he tried to make it an awkward moment. No, I think Pat, Pat handled that he's, one he's always a- So earlier today, you shared that when you ran into Pat for the first time in the hallway, yeah. you shook his hand and then said, is this weird, right? Well, because there was like silence and then we did the shake. But right? I think if you have to ask that question, you know the answer yeah, to Yeah, no, it. I'm aware. Yes, exactly. It was weird. It was weird. I didn't know what to do exactly in that spot. But anyway, NBA trade <laughs> deadline today. Um, is there a team... A player that you guys are looking at and saying, "All right, I better hear by three oh one p.m. Eastern time today that they did something." Like, is it like for me? And it's it's probably not going to happen. It's actually Chicago because they seem to enjoy the idea of being in the play-in tournament. Like, hey, we made it. We made it in that seven to ten. That's not really making it. And just because CC's Lakers and my Heat last year went on a run with LeBron James and Jimmy Butler doesn't mean because you're in the similar spot that you can go on the run. I think that's the team that I got to see by three oh one p.m. Eastern time today that they do something to trade off Demar Derozan, maybe to Philadelphia. Trade off Alex Caruso. What trade is he off still doing Andre on the team? Drummond. Like the list goes on and on and on. That's the one team that I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm looking at my Lakers. And, and okay. it's driving me mad that there's this notion, according to Woj, within the Lakers organization, that D'Angelo Russell could be the piece that if he continues to play like he's playing, that can get this Lakers team in this season turned around. I, I, it drives me wild because we've seen it with D'Angelo Russell. He'll have these stretches where he's great for three weeks and then you'll have to put an AP beat out on him and put him on the back of a milk carton for months. Like, I just don't understand. We've seen it across two different stints, across multiple seasons, that this guy is not somebody that you can rely on when the games matter most. I don't understand why they're hesitating to include D'Angelo Russell in a trade package to bring back a piece that can make a material difference on what the season is going to look like. Like, I get it. Like, he scored over 20 in two of the last five games that they've played, and he hasn't been turning the ball over like it's going out of style lately. Great. But we know that once the playoffs get here, D'Angelo Russell is going to go ghost. And that's why I don't understand why they won't trade for somebody that's more reliable. Yeah, they might not, the player that they get might not have the upside like Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell, and that's fine. But at least if the guy can be relied on every single night to give you consistent minutes and give you consistent production and not hurt your team and knock down open shots, then I'll take that. I don't understand why they're hesitating because of D'Angelo Russell. That makes no sense. Yeah, just because they're coming off a good swing where they've won three in a row, I don't think should preclude them from making a move. And that's the team I'm looking at, obviously, is the Lakers, because they need to be better. They're not as good as we expected them to be. And when LeBron James wants something, usually he gets it. When he does all these passive-aggressive hourglass, the Knicks towel. Usually he does all of that and it results in something and usually it's something that he wants. So I am surprised that they might be a little reluctant to make a move maybe because of the recent success they've had, the bump that they've had on this swing. But I think they need to, that seems short-sighted to me. Yeah. So speaking of the Lakers, uh, today is 2-8-24. The numbers of 
Kobe Bryant, obviously, uh, 8 and 24 in there. And ESPN LA, which we're on every single day, 710, has a live broadcast going on all day today from the East Central Hotel, which is a great hotel. I've stayed there. It's right across the street from where the Lakers play in that whole downtown area. It's a phenomenal hotel. Great little uh, second floor lounge area outdoor. Oh, tremendous. I've had my coffee and egg white sandwich <laughs> you, at that you East Central. You love a little alfresco coffee situation. Oh, tremendous. Yeah. You should tremendous. have seen him in Palm be, Beach. Yeah. Loves yeah. to sit outside and have a coffee in a courtyard. <laughs> yeah. That is 100% Loves correct. It. But so a celebration of Kobe's life today and Magic Johnson uh, discussed Kobe's legacy. He was relentless in attacking you and uh, and he was so cool under pressure. He always wanted the big shot. And nine times out of ten, he made the big shot. And uh, Kobe, what he did for uh, not only Los Angeles, but for the world uh, in terms of basketball, but also um, women's sports and training all the NBA players, college players, WNBA players, uh, little girls. Um, And then he advised so many athletes. He he was an incredible advisor and mentor to so many athletes in different sports. And so um, his presence and his legacy lives on even today. So Magic, uh, 2824, Gigi's number, Kobe's numbers, uh, and then the Lakers are going to unveil, uh, plan to unveil a Kobe Bryant statue. It is still surreal that he is not with us. Like, it's still beyond comprehension. Now, it's, sometimes I'll scroll through Instagram and I'll see, like, an old Kobe video, and I'm like, I don't, like he, that's not – like, what? How is this even possible? And I think that the celebration of his life and his influence, as much as we can do it in ESPN 710, doing it all day today mm-hmm. in L.A., is awesome. And I, I, I think about him anytime I see someone that just cares about doing their job at the highest of level and not caring about all the other stuff around it. It's odd, but I was watching that We Are the World documentary, which I think you've seen bits and pieces of right on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And Michael Jackson during the uh, American Music Awards, they're trying to get this song ready to go in 1985. Doesn't go to the award show because he has to put the finishing touches on the song. And I'm like, that's Kobe. Yeah. He doesn't yeah, care totally. if every if there's an award show. He's doing his job. I'm sure you've played with teammates like that, but that level of respect for the sport and the craft is just remarkable. Yeah, I mean, in in you know, the basketball muse, the the Kobe, you know, documentary, he kind of goes into, you know, his approach to the game. And one of the things that he figured out early on in his career, like whatever city that he would get to, like he would get into the gym. Like, that would be the first thing that he would do is go to the gym. Like, he was traveling on the road, going straight to the gym. Other guys would be thinking about going out. He's going to the gym and getting shots up, getting a workout, like getting prepared and and sharpening his craft. And it just shows you the commitment to uncompromised excellence. Like, that, that, that to me is what sticks out about Kobe Bryant. Like, everybody wants to compare him and Michael Jordan and how he patterned his game after Michael Jordan. But I think the mental aspect of it is far more fascinating in terms of his overall approach and how he would, you know, get under teammates' skin. He would kind of ruffle feathers with the coaching staff. It didn't matter because if he felt like this was going to be within the best interest of the team and ultimately lead to winning at the highest level, he would challenge people to do whatever it took. And and I think that's the part that I hold on to. That's the Mamba mentality as far as I see it uncompromised excellence. I don't care who's in my way. I don't care if what I say lands wrong with you. I'm going to say it because it's what I need and what we need to have the kind of success that I'm envisioning. Relentless in that pursuit. And LeBron James talked about this recently about how 
there's so many young players that he sees that get distracted once they get into this situation and they're playing at this high level that they get distracted by the cars or the jewelry or the fame. And Kobe Bryant always had those blinders on. He always was so focused in on how he could improve his game and those around him. And he he has an unbelievable legacy for so many reasons. But what Magic talked about and the tentacles that he put down in the game and the way that he mentored people and the people that he elevated and how the game is in a better place because of Kobe Bryant in so many ways, I think it's also a really important part of that legacy. Uh, ESPN LA has that coverage all day today, 710. If you want to tune in, ESPN app, ESPN LA app, and you could listen to it, uh, all the Kobe coverage, 2824 today. Coming up, another Lakers fan talking football. Damian Woody will join us next on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Ah, the underdog conversation. Where there really is no underdog this year in the Super Bowl. But somebody has to be. ESPN bet has it as the Kansas City Chiefs. Am I wrong? It feels like there's no underdog. There is an underdog. Oh, boy. The Chiefs are the underdog. Oh, boy. No, Here he goes. Unsportsmanlike oh, presented no. by Progressive well, Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Let's bring in ESPN NFL analyst Damian Woody, and he can answer this question. All right, Damian, who's the underdog in the Super Bowl? Uh, it should be the 49ers. I know people will look at the personnel and say, oh, that's a better team. But uh, when I look at what the the road that Kansas City went on, I mean, who who's going – why in the world would you put the Kansas City Chiefs as an underdog in the, in this game where they went on the road in Buffalo against Josh Allen, won, went on the road against a historic defense and, and uh, you know, presumptive league MVP and Lamar, you know, Lamar Jackson and won. Like, how in the world can we sit here and say the Kansas City Chiefs are the underdogs to the San Francisco 49ers? And I'm listening, I'm not slighting the 49ers because they have a lot of, you know, they have a very good team. They're well coached. But listen, at the end of the day, you talking about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and that defense? No way. So you're saying that there's more pressure on the Chiefs going into this game? Uh, I would think so. Yeah. Well, listen, I think if we're going to talk about, you know, this, this leads to a bigger discussion, right? Like, who needs this game the most? And for me, I'm I'm saying Kyle Shanahan. Mm. Kyle Shanahan needs this game the most because obviously, you know, we've seen him go to the Super Bowl before, lose, okay? 
not not only as a head coach, but as an offensive coordinator. Obviously, we talk about that that twenty eight to three. You know, when he was with the uh, Atlanta Falcons as an offensive coordinator, where they blew it to the New England Patriots. So, listen, we're talking about a third time now. You know, being in the Super Bowl for Kyle Shanahan, it's time to it's time to bring it home. If you don't do it this time, then we're gonna start looking at you sideways. Damien, going back to the underdog conversation, as somebody who's been to Super Bowls, who's won Super Bowls, how much does championship DNA and being there and having done it before factor into how you viewed this game with the Chiefs and the 49ers? Um, listen, I, 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 I don't know. I think it's minuscule because, uh, you know, you look at this 49ers team, a lot of these guys played in the Super Bowl for you, albeit they lost, but they played in the Super Bowl. So we're not talking about a team in the 49ers that haven't been there. They've been there. They understand the routine, the the way that this whole week works and stuff like that, so on and so forth. So I, I just don't think there's going to be this big advantage for the Kansas City Chiefs because they won the Super Bowl. Damian, Brock Purdy, feel good story or you're sick of the story already? Uh, <laughs> I'm growing tired of it now, man, because it's just <laughs> the discussion, man, it's just been so – like the dude is a, is a really good quarterback, man. Like – what do you want him to do? I think for my, my, my question to folks out there is, what more do you want Brock Purdy to do? I mean, he all he's doing is just going out there and being an elite point guard. He's getting to the ball, he's getting the ball to the people to his playmakers. Isn't that what an elite point guard does? Gets the ball to his playmakers? I mean, what more do you want the guy to do? I just uh, quite honestly, I'm getting sick of the you know the discussion. What you know is he a playmaker or is he a game manager? Who cares as long as you're winning football games? Well, Damian, I got Brock Purdy as the tenth best quarterback in the league right now. Where do you have him, and how does that change if he wins the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, listen, I I, I think you know, I always say if you're put if you're if you're mentioning the same breath as Joe Cool, Joe Montana, you're doing something right. Like you're you're enter, you're entering rarefied air. Uh, so listen, I. I I can't knock what you're saying, you know, CC putting him in the top ten. Now, if he goes out here and beats beats Patrick Mahomes, one of the one of the greats that we've seen in this game, we we got to start elevating. Like the the, the, the where, where does he go? Elevating him to where though? Where where does he go for you? Um, he stays in the. He doesn't go in the top five. He doesn't go in the top five. Okay. You know? Yeah, he doesn't go in the top five, but yeah, he can elevate he's somewhere some- in that top five to ten range. He's probably just moves up from ten to somewhere in the mix. Okay. Yeah, something Got like it. that. But Got yeah, it. top five. I'm I'm just hard pressed to go that high. Damien, what position groups or matchups within this game are you looking at that you think could determine the outcome? Yeah, there's a couple, right? Like, I, you know, I'm a former offensive lineman, so I'm always going to look at the line of scrimmage. You talk about on both sides, actually, uh, the Chiefs tackles against Nick Bosa and. And uh, and and uh, Chase Young, uh, I want to see how they how that max uh, matches up, and then also for for the 49ers, uh, their right tackle against you know probably Chris Jones. We see Chris Jones moving around a lot, trying to create matchup problems. So we're going to see you know what that looks like. Also, I think another matchup that's going to be very prominent in this game is going to be Travis Kelsey against Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw. That is str- literally strength on strength. Um, the playing in between the numbers. That's the strength of the 49ers defense. So let's see who wins that battle. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN Radio, ESPN2. We are joined by ESPN NFL analyst Damian Woody. I want to go back to something you just said about, because I think we're in agreement with you, but I want to know your reasoning. You're sick of the game manager versus game changer conversation. Not sick of Cam Newton, who brought it up, but sick of the conversation about it. Why? Um, because at the end of the day, it doesn't. Uh, because all for me, it's about winning football games. You know, like he, like he's operating the offense at a very efficient level, and he makes plays when plays when plays are needed to be made. You go back to the 
uh, NFC Championship game, second half against the Detroit Lions. I mean, he was a playmaker. He was a he did what what was needed in that game in order to win that game. And so for me, I could care less about the the, the game changer or game manager. It's all about are you making the correct plays when when it matters the most, and that's what Brock Purdy has done. Damian, when we're looking at this matchup, I know that we're, we're focusing a lot on the San Francisco 49ers side of it, but just looking at the Chiefs side of it, one of the sore spots for this team is going to be the offensive line, and specifically the offensive tackles. I mean, you're talking about the worst tackle tandem in the National Football League between Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. How do the Kansas City Chiefs hold up in pass protection against this San Francisco 49ers pass rush? Well, they've been doing it all postseason. They've been doing it all postseason, CC, and the, and the way they've been doing it, I think people got to understand that Andy Reid is a former office alignment. So it's going to start there first as far as protection, but they do it by formation and personnel. You'll see a lot of times you'll see an extra tight end lined up outside the, outside the tackle to give him presence there. Uh, to help out with the rushers, so to help ease, you know, help take pressure off those tackles, or by formations. We talk about those condensed split, splits, bunches, all those type of things to throw a lot of what I call trash at those at those uh, defensive end, those wide rushers. So, you know, just by formation and personnel, they've really helped out those tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs. Damon, speaking of Andy Reid, if he wins another one, how does that impact his legacy? We've talked a lot about Patrick Mahomes winning another one, how that gets him closer to Brady. But what about Andy Reid? Do you put him in the same conversation with Bill Belichick if he wins another Super Bowl? He's up there. He's up there. I mean, think about it. You know, the one thing that I love about Andy Reid is he's he's won with a lot of different quarterbacks, right? Uh, we know that is, and he has like you, you almost have to look at Andy Reid in in two eras: his time in Philadelphia, where he was he knocked on the door multiple times as far as the championship game, just really couldn't get through, and then his time with the with the Kansas City Chiefs, where obviously he's had much success with Patrick Mahomes, winning multiple championships, with the opportunity to win a third Super Bowl. Um, so Andy Reid, to me, is is in rarefied air. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be mentioned in the same breath as Bill Belichick. Um, because he's just the it, it, the way he's been able to coach quarterbacks and get the most out of these quarterbacks, and then obviously develop a guy in in Patrick Mahomes, who when it's all said and done, is going to be you know up there with Tom Brady. All right, Damian, very quickly here as a Lakers fan, trade deadline today, <laughs> three p.m. Eastern. You want your team to make a move or stand pat? I mean, what move is there to be made that's going to really impact them? I mean, that, that's the thing that that. You know, for me, I, I'll say I'll say this outside of trading LeBron James, I don't know if there's a, a move that that'll be made that'll you know elevate us to you know contention with the Denver Nuggets or the Los Angeles Clippers or anything like that. So I would probably say stay in pat right now. Well, uh, you and Cece will probably not be happy then tomorrow at that point because uh, Steve. Well, one of you is not going to be right. Yeah, you want them to make a move. Yeah, Damian doesn't. We'll see. I mean, they're better off right now in terms of record than they were last year this time. Right. And, I think and we I saw what they were. We saw what they were after the All Star weekend. Like they I, I just I believe in being aggressive. I don't I don't think that they should just stand pat. But that's just that's just that's neither here nor there. We're talking about the Super Bowl. That's what we're gonna focus on. But I'm just saying I think the Lakers need to make a move. Thank you, Damian. We appreciate it. Talk All right, to you next easy. week. All right, there is Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst and Lakers fan like CeCe. What an honor for us. We get to coming up have an in-person version of I'm Over It with Pat Costello. We've never seen it like this in person. We will describe what it looks like (laughs) next on Unsportsmanlike. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Well, we are in Bristol today. We get to look at Pat, a live in-person version for us of I'm Over It. CC, before we get in smalls, before we get to Pat, I want your reaction because Cece jumped out of his chair when he saw Pat do the outfit change because he wears a your sponsorship here shirt and hat because he's dying for a sponsor for this segment. But he doesn't wear it for the entirety of the show, only this portion of it. Yeah. And you saw the live change. It's so ridiculous. And, and uh, the coup de gras has to be the Stark Industries as the example stapled on the wall right yes. next to Pat. That is absolutely hilarious. It's hilarious. Does Pat think, by the way, if he does get a sponsorship, that he's going to benefit personally from that? Because like one of us would end up doing should, the library. But he should, though. Well, we should do the library. No, well, we'll do, do the read, but he should have some kind of benefit. This to is it. his baby. But here's the thing: if it's a sponsorship, it kind of takes away from it if he actually gets a sponsorship because mm. he can't wear the shirt and the hat. Ah. It actually no, takes just, away from I'll it. I'll just put the logo of whoever it is right on top of this. Good point. Oh, okay. I didn't there realize how point. much tape was involved. <laughs> That's what I, I was <laughs> waiting for somebody to say shiny. that. It's a lot I was of waiting tape. for that one. All right, Pat, what do you got for us today? Things you're over, sports, entertainment, the world, etc. I don't understand how people can eat bacon that's not crispy. It blows me away every time I see someone that eats bacon that looks like it's rubbery. It looks like they're biting into like some flesh or something. It's absolutely disgusting, and you're a psychopath if you don't like crispy bacon. Completely agree. Cosign retweet. Pat is absolutely right on that one. That's why I don't like turkey bacon. Ah. Not really a fan because it doesn't get crispy like real bacon. I just don't understand those kind of people. I, I, I may vomit. Raw meat grosses me out. I literally. Well, that's that, why you cook it till it's crispy. No, I, right. What you just said, <laughs> right, thinking, about, right. thinking about that, like makes me want to puke. So you don't cook chicken in your house? No, or? I can't look at it. I literally can't look at raw meat. I, I, I get I get nauseous looking at raw meat. Really? Yeah. I, it's, I'm weird. What do you want me to say? So I, so if your wife wasn't around, you would just be a vegetarian. No, I I'd, I'd go and get. You go buy it. Yeah, uh, I buy it. Cooked. You buy it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which I do anyway. Right? I'll go to the store. Go to the grocery store. Get the chicken that's already baked. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. That's part of the Saturday yeah. six a.m. Yeah. club. It's a great deal, by the way. It's a great yeah, deal. Yeah, I just say I want a pound of chicken or four slices or four, four pieces, whatever it is, and I get a couple of lunches and dinners out of it. It's yeah. great. Uh-huh. I get the whole rotisserie chicken. Oh, yeah. oh you do? It's like, it's like ten bucks. That's a good deal. It's like ten bucks at the grocery store. Oh, it's hard sure. to beat that deal. You get multiple. You get three to four meals out of that. I would say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Next one, Pat. I've never been less invested in a quarterback than I am in Brock Purdy in this Super Bowl. He is completely personality. He is like a creative quarterback. If you start up Madden and you want to create a player, he's the guy that you start with. I'm supposed to be emotionally invested in him and his story just because he was Mr. Irrelevant. Clearly, there was a reason. 
Well, I don't understand it, though, Pat. We love the underdog story in American sports. We love that story. To see him in the Super Bowl in his first season as the full-time starter? Well, they're not the underdogs as a team, but he is an underdog when it comes to this matchup. Like, it's like him and Patrick Mahomes. Like, one of these is not the same. Like, it's it's clear that it's not Brock. Like, this is a situation that nobody anticipated Brock Purdy being in when they drafted him two years ago. Yes. For it to be that quick, like you take over the starting job, and then in year two, your team is in the Super Bowl? Nobody it's, saw this coming. It's remarkable. But, Pat, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to speak for you. But it feels like we don't know a lot about him. There's not a lot of charisma around the story. Like, for instance, C.J. Stroud came on this year as a rookie and was really dynamic. But we learned a lot about his life, no about doubt. his dad. We mm-hmm. learned about him as a person. We saw clips that showed his personality. We don't really get that with Brock Purdy. He kind of flies under the radar. So all we have to talk about is not only his play, but Mr. Irrelevant and what a good story it is. We don't know a lot about the guy. But is he really under the radar, though? Like, at every single game, they show his parents in the stands and— I don't know. Without, you know he stays with his roommate. Like, he had a roommate. Like, how many starting quarterbacks have a roommate in the NFL? Like, I feel like there are all of these data points that we have that inform a lot of the opinions and I guess the likability of Brock Purdy. And I think that's why a lot of people are rooting for him. I think I have stumbled on a theory. I don't know in 2024, in football, basketball, baseball, hockey, any of the major sports, I don't know if we could ever actually have an underdog as a person, not a team. What? The amount of coverage that we have towards everyone allows us to talk more about someone than we used to. The, um, everyone talks about Brock Purdy all day, every day, for the last month or no two. No doubt. When Kurt Warner, off of literally bagging groceries, Correct. not figuratively, he was literally bagging groceries, when he shows up to the Rams, Trent Green gets hurt, he goes in, they win a Super Bowl greatest show on turf, it was Mike and Mike. That's it. Right, like it was. Like, that's that was. Yeah, but he I'm was still saying, an underdog. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I and understand. it said, "Who is this?" But guy? everyone was rooting for him because of the fact that he was such an underdog. Brock Purdy is obviously an underdog, but there's oversaturation of conversation. Thankfully, because of all the different shows and platforms that we have, that I don't know that you can even have an underdog as an individual anymore. He he's an still underdog. an underdog. He's, an underdog. he's Mr. Nobody, Irrelevant. Nobody thought he would be in this position I, when he was drafted. To maybe I'm not saying it properly. I just, I, I feel like the level of fairy tale story doesn't happen anymore because people can what? get sick of the conversation. I'm not sick of it, but a lot of people are sick of the Brock Purdy conversation. Yeah. Including Pat. I, I, I I, I, but I think that's the loud minority. I think the majority of people are rooting for okay. Brock Purdy because he's the new shiny toy and he's something different as opposed to the Kansas City Chiefs who are in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in, what, five years? Yeah. Like, we want, we want the new thing, and Brock Purdy is the new thing. See, I think these two teams, and again, I may be in the minority on this, are both easy to root for. I don't hate either of these teams. Normally, I go into a Super Bowl like wanting to root but, against. But you talk about oversaturation. The Kansas City Chiefs are there, big time. They're over like but it's like oversaturation with the big commercials time. and Travis dating Taylor Swift. I can't like, turn like, around like, without get, seeing we're, them. We're somewhere. getting there now. But we the head coaches in commercials. He's right. in. He's in a lot more than we realize. That's, by the that's way, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I. But we have said. I don't think Smalls feels this way, but Cece, you and I both like dominance in sports. We like there being a No, we like dominance, but Patrick Mahomes, who is a 
very likable figure himself yeah, said, yeah. yeah, I'm starting to feel like people view me as a villain. And it's okay, he'll lean into it because that's what it is. But he's starting to feel that. Right. So I think we're on the verge of Chiefs fatigue, which is why I think the majority of people out there are rooting for Brock Purdy and the 49ers on Super Bowl Sunday. Next one, Pat. I just, real quick, I don't even think I could pick Brock Purdy's voice like out of a I was going to say out of a hat, but that doesn't make any sense. But yeah. I couldn't identify. Like, listen, I don't think he is like a very generic voice. Yeah. Well, Patrick Mahomes sound like pretty, Kurt, pretty. Yeah, Pat, yeah, Patrick Mahomes doesn't sound like Kermit the Frog, yeah. so just, you know that voice. Yeah, well, let, listen real quick. <laughs> okay. So generic, right? You're telling me? He sounds like a coach. That sounds like a coach. You know what's crazy about that? You can stop playing it, Javante. You know what's crazy about that? That was Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Yeah, it could, he could be, he could be anybody. Well done. Well done. Brock Purdy's voice could be anybody. <laughs> wasn't even Brock Purdy. Uh, all right, last one real quick. Anyone who keeps uh, like a spider or a snake or a rat as a pet cannot be trusted. Can't you should not let more. any of these people into your life. Couldn't agree more. Really? I don't if understand Oh, that. you, you want to hang out with someone who has a snake in their house? I'll tell you this. If I'm at brunch with the girls and somebody arrives at the table and she's like, I'm dating this guy. He has a snake as a pet. All of us are like red flag. Really? Because no. what about a snake do you want as a pet? What What is it about that that you want to have in your house every day? It's a great question. I totally I don't, I don't he have He keeps the a tarantula in his bedroom. Okay. Run. Where are, we at, where are we at with pet sharks? No, oh, pet. I, I thought you were pointing sharks? to Nuno. Pet sharks, yeah. Where are we at with pet sharks? What are you, who has a pet shark? Pet shark. Uh, pet, pet sharks. That's NFL money. That's yeah, different. totally. No doubt. <laughs> sharks? Yeah. Never even heard of such a thing. Wow. When you have an aquarium. How many people have aquariums? Probably more than you think. Do you have an aquarium? No. A lot of maintenance. Do you want an aquarium? No, I don't want any pets. I have a hard enough time taking care of myself. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.